For many of us, basketball is life. It provides athletic and character-building opportunities and bridges societal and cultural gaps locally, nationally, and internationally. That's the mission of the Basketball Embassy, and this is United We Hoop. Well, I want to welcome everybody. Uh, this is the United We Hoop podcast. I'm Chris Dial, and I'm here with Chinny Nwagbu. And Chinny, I'm so happy to have you uh, with us today. Uh, first, I just want to say thanks again for taking the time to, to have a good chat uh, today on this uh, Basketball Embassy podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Let's, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. Um, and I was really excited to just learn about your passion as well. So I, I couldn't pass this up. Yeah, no, great. I'll tell the uh, audience here that uh, I had a, you know, I had the privileged opportunity to get connected with you and it actually happened like, you know, 20 different ways. So tell these uh, folks a little bit about you, you know, obviously as a player, extremely decorated, uh, played at, at Syracuse with another good friend of uh, mine, Rochelle Coleman. I'll give Roe Ro a little shout out here. Um <laughs> And uh, and then, you know, she's done some incredible work uh, with peace players and, and others. Uh, she's helped make the basketball embassy look good in different times. So um, but then after that, you were a journey woman, played all over the world uh, at some of the highest levels, even representing uh, Nigeria with their national team. So I know you'll have, you know, plenty to share uh, from that context and uh, from that perspective. But I think what's what really uh, you know, we, t- we discussed the synergies that exist are in your heart and your passion for what this game can do for others, you know, and what it's, what it's done for you intangibly, intangibly both. And then uh, just some of the work that you've done since um, kind of transitioning from, you know, primarily just, I know you can still play, you take my lunch money right now, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, kind of making that professional transition to where, okay, now how can I platform uh, myself in this game to really affect positively, you know, communities all over the place. So you've done some work with the NBA, you've done some work in different uh, with different NBA teams, and you've also done some work feet on the ground, you know, in some really interesting places in the world. So I, I do want to get into all that. Um, but I, I want to, you know, I'd like to start just with, we're both sitting here in the good old US of A. And, uh, you know, both as basketball people and both as people that, um, you know, have been around the world and seen life from a lot of different vantage points and perspectives. But what is going on right now? I mean, let's talk a little bit about uh, the United States and and some of these divisions that have just continued to surface. And and now we're looking at these and people like you and I just head spinning, trying to figure out what's going on. Right. Um, we're talking about the current climate uh, of our nation and with regards to uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, and I think uh, one of the most important things, it's, it's really imperative to make the um, statement that it's not uh, divides that haven't already been there. I think there was a, a, a full blanket over them and everybody kind of was just going around going about their business. Um, while there were groups of people we're saying African-Americans um, or people of color who were suffering. And so um, just with the 
you know, there's just been a lot of racial injustice and things that are seen more because I think of the social platforms that we have where people can record videos of people who are being arrested and, and end up dying um, at the hands of uh, our justice system. So I think that is a tough place to be in. Um, but with what we're doing and why basketball is so important is that even in this current climate, you could still use sports um, to unite and lift up um, in our case, uh, athletes, you, young athletes. And so the one thing that I really love about basketball, um, and I'll speak specifically to my sport, is that um, in that world, uh, there, there's, place, there's a place for international relations. There's a place for to talk about racial discrimination. There's a place for, um, you know, genderism, pay disparity. And, and all those conversations come up, um, but the environment is never hostile because we're athletes and we're all speaking from that same place, that same passion, that same love. Um, and so I, I've always known sports to be a tool to create social change, right? Sports has been a tool to help people uh, bridge the gaps. And so that's one thing I love about the transition from being an athlete to now working in the business of sports. I think sometimes as an athlete, you know, <laughs> you, you're not paying attention to a lot of things. You just, no. you're just a pro athlete. You're out there. You're enjoying the world. I don't, I, I didn't really see too much of uh, racial discrimination when I was there. Um, but that's because I love people and cultures of the world. And I kind of paid attention to like the beauty of things. Um, and I tend to shy away from things that don't serve me. But uh, that was a great, great question. Well, um, and so I'm happy that, you know, yeah. It's it's funny you mentioned that. It's such a cool perspective. And maybe I haven't thought much about that. But it, it, there's almost like for people that are pre, I, I, I'm going to clump myself in with you, which is probably undeserving. But in terms of uh, awareness, like I consider myself a pretty aware, you know, person, I try to be an empathic person, I try to be sensitive. Uh, you know, I've gone and worked, obviously, the, the organization puts itself first so we'll go into a conservative muslim country we'll go into a you know a more progressive orthodox christian country right. we'll, we'll go into a secular space right. uh, you know color wasn't even secondary tertiary or or even further down the line it was just these people don't look like me and i didn't think about any of that the whole time but isn't that maybe there's almost like a colorful ignorance in there when you're an athlete when you're somebody that just doesn't seek out uh i guess like, I just don't look for divide. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people, I think sometimes to see this the right way, you almost have, have to have like a keen eye for division. You've got to go look to categorize humanity that way. And you mentioned like as a basketball player and playing with as many different people as you have and in different places, I don't know that, you know, a ch no one would ever say to me, Chenny's got an eye for division. You know, you've got an eye for unification, you know, right. and so it, sometimes it can even make us in the midst of these spaces, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, unconscious of, of some of those divisions. I think it depends. I think it depends on who you are and uh, obviously your race as well. Um, but I, I think that there is uh, a foundation, like there's a line, uh, that you are speaking to that is true. I mean, uh, for example, I'll give an example. When I was in Spain, my first year, um, couldn't speak a language, didn't know anything, and I would go to the grocery store, and hopefully it was the grocery store because I was just kind of like, <laughs> um, and I would walk past these uh, old ladies, even in Poland, uh, cute little old ladies getting to the grocery store with their little canes, and they would always stare, and their faces were so serious when they, when they, they were staring. Um, and I thought, oh, okay, maybe it's a racial thing. But then eventually I was like, 
okay, well, let me just wave and say hi back. And they were like, <gasps> they're, you know, so happy. Probably yeah. for them, it's the first time to see an African-American woman in their lives. Right. It, it wasn't received. You know, if you have an open mind and you're able right. to uh, really uh, be aware and make the adjustments, I think in that case, that's a different case than what we're talking about was the, that's going on in the United States. But yeah, those types of things, you know, you know there is a racial... Um, ignorance sometimes um yeah. other cases where you know oh it's yeah and you're gonna have different views again because you know I, i'm african-american you're white right. i mean it's just so different but yeah no there's been a lot of cases where i haven't felt that at all and there have been a few cases where i have right but, um so yeah i think that's a, a good point yeah well i want to ask you something else um talk about you know like I said, just humanity's tendency, unfortunately, to just clump people into these buckets. You know, it's like, you know, you're male, you're female, you know, you're black, you're white, you're right. rich, you're poor, you're, yeah. you know, we're so good at categorization and, you know, division. It's right. device, it's divisive language. Yeah. Um, so you've coached boys and girls, you've worked with professionals, you've, you know, you've been around, you, you're, you've been a great development coach for the league we'll get into some of the sports diplomacy stuff you've worked. We've got mutual friends in the state department and some of their primary partners. Um, so right now amidst all the other things going on, I'm coaching uh, a men's basketball team in college. Congratulations about that. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm down here, you know, in San Antonio, our lady Lake university, I have a great group of guys. Um, and I hope, Hopefully you'll get to meet these guys, you know, maybe come impart some knowledge and then maybe even show them a couple of things that'll help them be, you know, better fundamental players. But, um, you know, we've been having a lot of open dialogue, you know, a lot of conversations. Our guys are, you know, they're conscious. They, they want, you know, they, they keep up with all uh, pertinent political issues, you know, especially Black Lives Matter. Um, I don't know what the breakdown of our team is ethnically, but we've got a pretty uh, broad, uh, spectrum because, you know, me, I'm, I'm recruiting internationals too. So we got three or four guys from across the pond, uh, plus a bunch of our local guys that range from, you know, white, Hispanic, uh, like truly Central American, uh, Latino descent, African American, you know, all the way through. Right. So we've had a really interesting dialogue, but what would you say, uh, to these young men that are, like right now they they want to be a part of an effective change right. they they want to contribute to sort of a solution oriented movement forward right. and i think a lot of young men and young women uh are a little bit lost as to like well, what do i do like what's the most effective thing that i can do and right. so if i know i kind of put you on the spot here it won't be the oh, first no, time but so but what would you tell these guys yeah um, okay, so first I'd say I don't have all the answers, um, but I know that with anything that that involves change, uh, that change has to start with you. So my first and probably um, strongest point would be figure out how you can change your perspective, figure out how you can change yourself, um, and don't just stand in uh, unity with African Americans. Be willing to dismantle uh, that privilege that you may have based on the color of your skin, and uh, and move forward in that direction. So there, there's there's a, there's a lot of things, and and when you talk about self, there's so much improvement that you can do with yourself. And one one could be just listening. You know, uh, one could be reaching out to your African American friends, making sure they're okay. Right. Um, and 
and and just understanding that your perspective is not the sole perspective and that there are a lot of things um that you may be privy to there are a lot of things that you may be subject subjected to and just because you don't see the racism doesn't mean it's not not prevalent and it doesn't exist so i just would say self-evaluation it's like a player right Right, as basketball players, if you want to be get be better, you don't look to your team and say, "Hey, you need to do this." You look to yourself. You right. think about what you're good at, how you can improve that, where you, the areas of where you need to work, and you work on those things. If you're really truly passionate about being this great player, it's the same exact concept. Uh, you want racism to be eradicated. You want racism to get the heck out of here. Then you've got to look at yourself and think about what you can do as a person individually to help add value to that idea of racism. Um, right. No, that's, be- that's, that's beautiful. I'm going to be stealing a bunch of that uh, and giving it to these guys in small manageable chunks. You know, they're still, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're still college guys. So we can't, yeah, we can't give them too much credit. We got to right. slow it down, break it down for them. But no, I, it's, uh, you made such a good, a bunch of good points and eloquently as well. Uh, but you're also, you're preaching to the concept of accountability you know, like self accountability. And that's what man, basketball does that to you. You know, it's like you said, I can't show up every day. And I mean, it's, it's different in a, in a single athlete sport. You know, if I go out on the golf course and I'm trying to compete, I I can get into the weather a little bit, but it's me, you know, Exactly. Exactly. but when I get into basketball, it's me, but it's me in this, you know, in this family, this, this group of people that are trying to, you know, embrace a common goal and get there. And so there's just this unwritten sort of accountability with our sport that we love yeah. uh, that that's there. And so I think it's an incredible thing. You know, one thing I, I told, uh, I did tell our young men, because, you know, a coach's job too is to get under their skin a little bit, try to push. Bring the best out of them. Yeah. So I told him, I said, look, man, I, you guys are great guys. You know, I like you wouldn't be here if we didn't like you. You know, I always tell players like coaches, they need to like you. Like you guys yeah. don't think that's a thing, but we spend so much time together. I'm not going to have a bunch of dudes that I don't want to be around. Right. You know, we're going to spend the majority of the year together. Right. So, but I told him, I said to me, and again, just opinion, a lot of what Black Lives Matter represents a lot of what it is trying to contest, battle, uh, mitigate is just founded in fear. Uh, I'm sorry, founded in hate. Right. And, you know, the fear of what's different, the fear of what's to come, the fear of like my own ego. There's a lot of bruised egos in America right now. Everybody's like, oh, you know, and it's almost hard to stomach. But I told my guys, I was like, look, if we're talking about hate at the base of this divisiveness, if you choose to embrace love, which is what I think we have to do, we got to love each other, uh, not to get too hallmarky, but I mean, it's the old golden rule. I'm going to treat you how I want to be treated. You know, I want to be loved. I'm going to love you. But I think one thing, uh, you know, that's, that stood out to me is if these guys are going to embrace love, my players uh, right now, they better do it all the way across the board. Right. I told them. I don't want to see you out there protesting and being all uh, eloquent in your speech and articulating yourself so well when it comes to black and white. And then the next day I see you, uh, you know, speaking a certain way to a woman, you know, speaking a certain way to, to somebody else that's not like you. So if you're going to, if you're going to be love and not hate you, man, we got to treat, 
We got to treat ourselves better. We got to treat our moms better. We got to treat our sisters better. We got to treat our girlfriends better. We got to do all those things. And so that, that culture, these guys were a couple of generations apart. They, they're well intended, but they can also get kind of those blinders on it. They're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to combat this inequity here, this, you know, inequality here, but I'm not going to live it out all the way through. And it goes back to, I think to what you said, which is it takes a, it takes us to look back on ourselves, you know, and really make changes. You mentioned love, which is amazing. Um, but not just love. Love is the foundation for everything. But it's, it's also because you, you can love someone and hurt them, right? You can love sure. them and not do right, right by them. You can treat somebody as you treat yourself, right? But if you don't treat yourself well, then that's right. poor treatment anyway. You're exactly right. Um, but the love is understanding that this is what it is. The love is first accepting the person, right? And then the next step, because we're, we're not talking about love only. We're talking about the next step past love. Because once we get the love, it's awesome. We can't become complacent about the love. It's now, how are we exercising that love in our daily lives? Like, I can say I love you, but you if doing? I'm not treating you with actual love, if I'm not willing to make some sacrifices, which is you know putting our privilege aside, to actually make sure that that love is existed and it continues to grow, um, then that's not really love. And so I think the conversation is amazing and taking that conversation a uh, step forward and understanding that love is always changing, always evolving, right? We can't just, it's not just enough to say, hey, I love my teammate. If you really love your teammate, how are you showing them love? Because right. last summer when you went home, did you get better? You didn't get better, right? You've got your love has to speak into the world. It has to be action behind that love and it has to be consistent action and it has to raise the level every single time. So I love, I love the concept of love because that's where I operate from. But I also love the concept of love plus accountability. That's right. the next one. So yeah. yeah no, you're right. You're right on. Yeah. And it, Jenny, it took me about, I don't know, three and a half seconds when I talked to you first on the phone to realize that this is a person that's coming from, <laughs> from a place of love. Yeah. You're so yeah. awesome. Um, well, I want to transition a little bit because um, we, you know, we brought up, uh, you know, we're talking about issues surrounding equality, issues right. surrounding equity. Right. Um, and you and I were also just visiting briefly about how we just had, we just celebrated a really uh, important anniversary yeah. um, of the passing of Title IX. Right, right. And uh, talking about trying to... Uh, f- you know, create a framework where equity could exist, you know, especially in spaces of youth sport. And so uh, like everything else in our, our awesome. uh, And I do mean it sincerely. I love, I love uh, being an American. I love being from here. Sometimes if you didn't know me well enough, you'd hear me talking and be like, is this guy Canadian or is he from, uh, (laughs) where's this dude from Sweden? Uh, But uh I do love this place, but it, man, we have a certain deliberate stubbornness sometimes when it comes. So even when Title IX was passed, it took, you know, a decade and a half probably before we started to see, you know, some of those results and some of those intended consequences. But now we're in an incredible place. So, uh, you know, for for our audience today and whoever, you know, decides to come in and share with us uh, in this conversation, let's talk a little bit about Title Nine. You, yeah. you again. You you can speak uh, empathetically to this. You can right. talk about you know your some of the opportunities it's created for you and other young women and everybody that you work with. And 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 there's a 
there's a really distinct importance to this for young men as well. Uh, right. I mean, uh, that was a part of the movement. So happy anniversary title night. <laughs> right. June 23rd, 1972 was a big day. Um, and yeah, uh, as you said, there have been some major improvements. I mean, major. And without that, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have played at Syracuse. I wouldn't have played professionally for 11 years. And I would be using my platform now to serve um, something greater than myself um, with through the sport. So, no, definitely a great, great time to be alive. Um, and there are still more adjustments that need to be made um, because with Title IX, sometimes, you know, when you make these types of rules where people have to follow them, they're just like, what, why? Um, but it ends up being something so fantastic in the very end, um, and not that we're at the end, but one of the things that I love most about it is that uh, women prevailed with Title IX being in place or without it being in place. And so I'm, you're starting to see a, a, a big shift in women in sports, women uh, coaching men's sports as well. So you saw like two, two, three years ago, we've had two general managers in the NBA. We've had referees in the NFL. So the shift is there, uh, slow. Uh, it's a marathon, but it is there. Um, and I embrace it and I'm thankful for it. Um, and to speak to the part of being an African-American woman, there are have been some great shifts there as well. However, I think with just, um, we, we're talking about head coaches and um, those types of positions in co on the collegiate level, the numbers are still quite low. Um, and so I'm hoping in the next 10 years, we start to see the shift of uh, equality um, in terms of the Title IX uh, impl implications. And also too, there's not a lot of women who are head coaches <laughs> on the collegiate level. So the shifts are coming. Um, it's just about having the right systems in place to ensure that women can succeed at these roles, just like we have uh, for the men. So I'm thankful for, for, yeah. for, yeah. No, well put as usual. I, I, uh, I completely agree. And I think, um, you know, there's still, there's still some subsequent calls to action, right. Yeah. Uh, you right. know, founded in this movement and we've got to, you know, we've got to continue to create perpetual momentum, you know, in this space. And, um, I think it's really interesting that not only are you seeing these women in these leadership positions, but you're also seeing, uh, you know, situations where you've got more women now coaching young men, you know, right. it's right. like that used to never be a thing, right. you know, right. uh, maybe, maybe a mom or an aunt that was taking that U10 team, you know, right. somewhere and doing that. But now we've got a situation where uh, you've got, you've got women that are actually developing right. uh, players. And, right. you know, I, there's, you know, there's a couple of, you know, examples that I've got that I don't want to, you know, over name drop, but I've got a good friend, uh, Dee Davis, and she worked with USA Basketball. Dee played at Vanderbilt back in the day, played in the league for a minute, but she's one of the best coaches I've ever met, uh, just coaches. And so anytime I had a chance to do a camp or work with Dee, you know, you'd always have those guys that are, you know, you got 16, 17 year old dudes, they, you know, they, they're, they're figuring it all out. Right. They get into a station. They see a female. They're like, they're like, yeah, they're like, all right, all right. We, you know, we'll, we'll do. And it, I mean, it would take them about, you know, ten seconds to see, like, oh, okay, this she is this is different. She, right. She's also better than me, <laughs> like, right. and so yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, and it's been fun for me as well. You know, overseas you don't see it. You know, you don't see women uh, 
being empowered, you know, through coaching. And so I've always liked going into places and then placing a female coach, like in a camp setting for like a national team or youth right. national team right. and putting her in charge of like the, the most talented group right. of, of boys, you know, right. and everybody just going, Oh coach, we don't, we don't do that. Yeah, I know you don't do that. That's why your ranking is where it's at. Like, let's yeah. try that, you know, and then they just kill it. So it's been, you know, those are the spaces I think, United States has to take it upon ourselves to be sort of that change maker. You know, we've got to, we've got to do a better job, a more deliberate job. Um, and I think organizations like USA basketball are, are making great strides. They're doing great things. They're being cognizant of those things. They've got people, they've got uh, females in leadership positions and contributing positions that are moving the needle. So, uh, but I completely agree with you, you know, one of the things I really um, love about what you said, um, not only that, but I think, and I'm, I'm going back to a little bit to Title IX. The great thing about Title IX is it it made, uh, not made, but it, it, it provided that awareness that you talked about before, right? For men, right? Because it's like, oh, I can play. Oh, she can play too. You know what I mean? And so I think that, yes, we need to be the trailblazers and the change makers with regards to women in CEO positions and coaches and things of that nature where we're taking them seriously for um, the, their ability to be able to coach, right? It's not about coaching men or women. It's just to be able to coach um, and accepting um, women as they are, which is, uh, you know, again, we're, we're getting there. But the great thing about what you said and this podcast, for example, is it's creating those platforms to get that conversation out there. Like, look at LeBron when they go into the women's games. And right. That type of support by right. men. Uh, is huge. It's pivotal. Um, and it, it it shows that there is room for a lot of change. It shows that there is support and we just need more of it. So yeah, definitely a a great topic <laughs> to talk I, about. It no, me, it is. It makes me happy. It makes it, it makes me happy and sad at the same time that you know you have to have those conversations where people are saying, Wow, she can coach because she can coach men. Well she could just coach period. I she mean, can coach, yeah. Yeah. And because she's a she doesn't mean she can't coach. And I think Wait. that women's game is no offense. I mean, I might be biased, but far more fundamentally sound than no the question. <laughs> There's no question. That's not even a that's not even a topic for a debate in my in my world. You don't. We can't. We can't even debate that. Um, well, I think you know. I want to. We could do the whole uh, show just on this, you know. But I do. There's a couple of other things just before we transition to the next element uh, about this. You know, you mentioned uh, LeBron and those guys. Uh, right you know, getting so involved. Um, I don't know how much you've seen her play, but uh, Sabrina uh, uh, Ionescu from uh, Romania, you know, uh, played at Oregon kind of. So I work in Romania a bunch, but she's, she's like, she's got an entire country, 20 million people behind her right. because she's just killing it, you know, Miss Triple Double. Well, she was one of the handful of super elite people that uh, – you know, that got to speak at, at Kobe's memorial, you know, right. because Kobe and his daughter Gia, they had taken such a, such a keen and passionate interest in this young lady and what she was doing, what she was doing for the game. And that relationship developed and, you know, it, it, it speaks a lot to who Kobe was and what he stood for, obviously. Um, but it's, it was just such an interesting dynamic. And again, it's kind of, you know, we're in the United We Hoop podcast. It's like, right. You got this young gal that her parents were Romanian immigrants. You've got this African-American 
dude that speaks five, six languages fluently, spent a lot of time in Italy, was found. Yeah. And then, and then those two find this like impeccable friendship, you know, and this relationship develops and it's out of this game, you know, it's just, it's out of this game. And so I'm so thankful that I'm an athlete. I'm so thankful that I was able to play the international game. And I'm so thankful for the relationships that I've, uh, I've made. And I'm so thankful for the subtle nuances that I learned from cultures and the intercultural competencies. Uh, so it's just, man, when I tell you my, my line of friends and not to make this about me, but Kobe was amazing in that way. Um, it, he, full, he could speak Italian. I could speak Spanish. I have friends from all over the world. I mean, if I want to take a holiday, which we can't do now, I've got friends in um, Poland. I've got friends in Spain. I've got friends in Italy. I've got friends in um, Chile. I've got friends in China. Like, and this is because of basketball. Like, yeah. it's because, yeah, the game can do so much for you. Oh, uh, it's no question. Sorry, you just got me happy. You got me excited. No, no, good. This is what it is. I'm so glad. I mean, I'm just. His love for his daughter. and Right. Man. Yeah. You know, sports is something else and that, that's what it is i think and if if for somehow you're out there and you're involved in this game and you're missing that like right. you're miss you're missing it like this yeah. is what it is you know um so last thing kind of in the title nine discussion i want to get your take on this real quick i was really comfortable throwing d davis out because i've known d for a long time and she she won't sue me or anything so this other coach i'm i'm going to talk about really quickly uh i'm not going to use your name today because I didn't ask her permission and we don't know each other like that but I was so so impressed and she's an NCAA division one head coach she's an African-American and uh, I heard her speak um, at a conference I think a year and a half ago Um, and she said this she and she did it deliberately and so it's this is taken out of context a little bit but just understand that this was a this was a conference that was geared towards equality. It was, that was our discussion. We were talking about equality. We were talking about things like title nine. Okay. She stood up at one point, she was on a panel with some other African-American female coaches. uh, And actually there was a couple of coaches that were not African-American, but female. And she said, you know what? Uh, One thing I don't want to get lost in here. And she was like, I'm raising my daughter this way. We, we actually look at equality a little bit differently. She goes, I don't, she said, I don't want to be hired because this statistically I'm filling a gap. Right. She goes, I right. want to, I want equity. Right. She was like, when you put all these coaches out, male, female, black, white, every shape, every color, every experience, I want to get hired because I'm better than they are. Exactly. That's the bottom line. Yeah. That's all it is. That's all we're asking for. Like, I just want to be hired because I'm the best candidate. Right. And so I, I we can take it all the way to Black Lives Matter, and that's all it is. I just yep. want to be treated equal, not based on the color of my skin. Right. Title Nine. I just want to be treated equal and have the same opportunities, not based on my gender. It, it, that's all it is. want to hit one more kind of uh, piece to this uh, discussion and uh, you know and then we can kind of wrap up just talking about whatever you want the weather yeah, I've got my uh, hands flying. I'm all yeah, yeah. No, I, lo- I love it I love it me too I'm I'm ready to go get some shots up or do some push-ups or something yeah. 
you're an EG, Jenny. We always tell our players that like you're either an EG or an ET. You're an energy giver or an energy taker. You can't be you're you're one or the other. You are you are an EG. You are an energy giver for sure. Um, and we always tell we always tell guys like we don't recruit ETs. Like we don't want ETs in our life. We don't want, don't marry an ET. Nobody wants to work for an ET. You don't even want to sit on a bus with an ET. So you know, that's true. I like that EG. Nice. <laughs> I stole it. I stole it from somebody else. Um, All right, cool. But uh, so let's talk a little bit. We we you know you made a great point as a great uh, kind of liaison into this, which is you know in a nutshell, how many couches in the world could you go crash on tomorrow if you needed to? You know you got ten, fifteen countries worth of friends. Uh, they'd consider you family. I know, uh, and in a lot of ways, you would reciprocate. Uh, the game's done that for you. The game's done that for me. Um, you know, in that, that handful of people that are sort of in that sorority fraternity of people that get that, right? Okay. Um, let's you talk real have quick to about get it. You got to get it. Right. Because you can, you can travel all over the world. If you don't Miss have it. perspective and open mind, you won't gain anything at all. You got to get it. So I like that. Yeah. You got to get it. Got to get it. Um, and that, that made it tough for me, to be honest, in a professional space. I'm navigating parts of the world, a lot of places that I hadn't really seen or worked with an American. Mm-hmm. But I get in some places that had, and their experience wasn't very good. Not good. Yeah. yeah. So then it's like, oh, man, now I got to dispel all these other, you know. Right. So, that uh, one American that changed our whole entire mind. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it's that's what it is. Yeah. And so, um, you know, let's talk real quick about our friends. Um with the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, our friends at the State Department's Sports Diplomacy Division. Um, I think it's a, it's incredible to me now with as much time as I've spent uh, with them directly, indirectly, floating around U.S. embassies all over the world, trying to connect them with sports organizations and ministries of sport and municipalities and all these things. But it's still incredible to me how many people here in the domestic U.S., didn't even know we had a sports diplomacy division. Right. Don't of, even know what sports diplomat is, right? Don't even know what that is, or what is the what is soft diplomacy? What are they doing with bat? Why is basketball such an important right. thing? So let's chat a little because you've done a lot of work. You've served as an envoy. You've been sent uh, for very purposeful and deliberate reasons to get out, and you've seen the incredible impact that it has. But you've also seen maybe some of the shortcomings of our current you know system and the way to go and. Um, but let's talk a little bit about about the uh, ECA's uh, Sports Diplomacy Division and some of their programs. Okay, so um, like you said, the Sports Diplomacy Program, so it's changed my life. Who knew that you can use um, sports, international relations, and business as, a, you know, they, the intersectionality would be so uh, dynamic in that way. And uh, it's definitely allowed me to see things in, um, different perspectives in terms of business and international relations, foreign policy. But um, the programs there are amazing. So essentially what we do as an envoy, you are sent over um, to a different countries, working with those USA, U.S. embassies, creating programming that serves underserved kids. Um, in my case, I've, I've been sent to a lot of countries to um, uh, kind of bring this whole women empowerment movement um, in countries where women don't necessarily have a strong, that strong of a voice. Uh, but the work you do there is amazing. It, it goes beyond sports um, and it talks about, it touches um, international relations and how you can change uh, societies through sports. I'll give you an example. Last November, I was in Tanzania 
when I listen, Chris, that changed my life. I like who knew? Like you know, you know, there's small things that sports can do, but you don't know like the impact of sports. You have no idea until you're just right there. So I'm in. I'm working with this Maasai, um, this group of Maasai girls um, at this. Um, this public school um, in this really small village in this really small tribe. And we're the, I'm sent there because, and I went with Jim Clemens. Do you know who Jim Clemens is? I mean, I know who he is, but I don't know Jim uh, personally. Jim Clemens, yeah. beast, Michael Jordan's uh, coach, uh, Kobe oh. Bryant's coach, Shaq's coach. So we're there and we're there because these girls um, are sent, are accepted into the school. And because they're accepted into the school, they are not subject to underage marriage. Underage marriage, Chris. These these girls and their tribes and their culture—they're being pretty much sold off into marriage at twelve. And because they come to the school, because they're here with us, because they're getting this training—a uh, combination of sports and education—allows them that liberation, allows them that ability to not be subjected to underage marriage. So. We got international relations, we got business, and we have sports. And then there's that passion and that love. And you're asking me to be a part of that? Yeah. That blew my mind because these girls were just, there's nothing like an international kid. I mean, I love American kids too. But their appreciation for the simple things, a smile, yep. a good job, changes their whole entire lives. And you'll hear from them 10 years later, hey, coach, remember you? T yeah, yeah, it was the best best experience of my life and, and I think it also has to tie into the fact that my parents are Nigerian so I'm Nigerian American first generation born here and being able to give back um, to uh, my bloodline in right. Africa in that way was dynamic so basically what I had the opportunity to do was create a curriculum um, for basketball host camps and clinics um, speak to coaches coach coaches um, talk to administrators and help with the shift that um, this school is trying to make in terms of um, pretty much uh, getting rid of the whole concept of underage marriage. Now, it, the, the the government has in place that it's illegal, um, but it's not really exercised and it's still uh, right. practice. So just being able to be in that air with those kids, um, it, it has changed my life. So. Right. No, that's, that's incredible. It's yeah. yeah you I, and I love your passion. You just, it, it just exudes when you tell these stories about, you know, but think about that. I mean, like what, what a profound significance uh, in terms of a footprint and you left it through basketball. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, again, we just, it is, you know, obviously it's just a basketball podcast and it's, it's a basketball show and episode, but it's, we're, we're not talking about, you know, just basketball. We're talking about what, what an incredible tool it is, right. how it, how it can equip someone like you to go in. And so every single well, one of those young women whose lives you affected, you affected every single person that they come into I hope so. contact with for the rest of their lives. So it starts to, it, you did, it starts to spread that way. And so when they raise their children someday and when they get involved and when they see things that are worthy of their time, their sweat equity, those are the things that they're going to propel. And that's what I love about, you know, I give our government plenty of criticism like everybody else. You know, we're all good at that. You know, you guys don't do this well, that well. Um, but they do have some, you know, foreign policy goals that are almost otherwise unattainable. They can't send a regular diplomat. They can't send uh, U.S. federal government personnel, foreign service officer, military, and have the same effect that they can 
as they send uh, Chini Nwagbo. They can send you in there, right? And right, and you and you can get stuff done because you can engage. You can right. you can become human, and right. you can you can really attain to those elements. And that's what soft diplomacy is. That's what sports diplomacy is, right. and that's what connected you and I is. Uh, you know, people like Laura Dixon for right. the Spurs that see value in people that see value in that. Right. And, uh, you know, Laura has been a part of the sports, uh, the uh, global sports mentoring program. And she's mentored a number of young women, professionals that are in their spaces doing incredible things. Uh, but to me, there, there's not, you'd have a hard time, you know, kind of articulating to me that there's something more significant that we could be doing with this game than things like that, than what you did. I agree. Um, And I want to say, I want to touch on what you said. And you said something about uh, your podcast, but I think what's so important, so, and I I don't want to harp on it too much, but it's the sustainability. You may be a little podcast, but the little that you do, because of that sustainability, has a huge effect on the world. People hearing this is going to change their lives. People being a part of the show and being able to relate and say, okay, oh, all right, there's purpose there. It's going to change your, it's going to change their lives. So I think going there and doing the work that we've done because we've done it together um, is seeing how that impact can change lives and then thinking about it in terms of sustainability, right? How can we continue to make the footprint move in the forward direction? And so I, I, I'm so thankful for things like this podcast, things like, uh, sports diplomacy, yeah, I mean, it's it's a dynamic, dynamic thing. And I hope that uh, we can continue to move the conversation in a way where uh, you send the right people. So I'm like pe- piecing right. in all the things that you said. And because I say that because you can send a Chris Dial there, you can send a Chinny there, and you can send a, a X there. If X goes there and is an ET, an energy, right. what? Energy taker. Taker. Yeah. There's no impact that's going to be made, right? No. X just wants to take the trip and do X, Y, and Z. But if X is an EG and he brings the energy and he brings the passion and he brings the message, that's what's most important. And so I'm so thankful for this, uh, these types of experiences, like this podcast and ECA and being a professional athlete, because I know what the value is. And I want to be able to get out and say that to people. There's great value in this. Yeah. You just make it make sense for you and then make it make sense for others. So, yeah. Well, they, they only have to spend a few minutes with you and they're going to figure that out. So okay. it's a, you're an incredible change. You're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> no, yeah, you, got, you are crazy in the best way. Yeah. yeah, you're crazy in the best way. I mean, but that's what it is. And I think that's what even our friends at, at State uh, who do an incredible job, they have in a lot of ways kind of a thankless job. They're always at uh, the whim of whatever political climate, money's coming in, money's not coming in, we can spend it, we can't. Now they're in the middle of a pandemic. Some of their primary partners, our friends at FHI 360, they're trying to figure out how do we program reciprocal sports exchanges when you can't travel? And they're doing an amazing job. You know, they got you, make, they got you making virtual videos. No, right. I had a kid. Oh my God. So the, the glory in all of this is the response. So, um, uh, I checked my Instagram the other day and one of my kids from, I want to say um, Albania, because I was in Albania last year too. She wrote me and she's like, hey coach, I had a great time on the session. And I'm like, oh, you've seen the session already? And she's like, I didn't even know you were a part of, you know, that. Yeah. 
that kind of i know isn't it cool no it's so cool it's so awesome but that's the footprint and that accessibility chinny that's one thing that hasn't always been there we'd send we the united states you know they'd send a a celeb you know basically like some awesome player incredible talent but like you said uh they get there they do a, a good job and they'd get out and the kids and the coaches in that community had no accessibility and that's what makes you great and that's what i've i've always tried to do is uh remain accessible you know to these people and make sure that they can reach out that i can help them uh perpetually you know beyond that little program so um but that's great at least i think now people uh, that are listening will understand a little bit more about what those programs do and what they are so they're there we're thankful for them. Yeah. So this has been incredible. You, you're just one of those people that, uh, I could talk to all day, honestly. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this sort of official, but I'm going to say that we absolutely have to do something together. Uh, (laughs) like, I mean, formally and soon. And, you know, that's like the call to action in this, podcast is that Chinny and the basketball embassy are going to go out and we're going to find you know some subset of some society and we're going to impact it through the game and um and i want to you know i want to support you and uh put you out there to as many people as i can because you're you're just an incredible soul uh, such a good heart and i think also you know kind of as we wrap up um and i want to put it back to you if there's anything you want to leave us with or anything else that you want to talk to but i think also um People have gotten a pretty decent gauge if they didn't know you, if you were an unknown quantity to them prior to this. I think they got a pretty good gauge of who you are and what you stand for and kind of, you you know, your set of experiences and what's brought you to this point, you know, in in your life and in your career. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, people, I'd also like people to understand out there because I try to mentor, I try to talk to as many folks as I can in the best light that I can, but um, doing what you love is like probably the best advice I could give anybody. Like figure out what you love and do that. And if you can feed yourself and move about, you know, your your time, uh, because you're, you're truly doing what you love and it's just so nice to see, you know. I appreciate it. Doing what I love, it also falls in line with my purpose and using my purpose to serve others. I think if you do what you love and, and it falls in line with your purpose and it serves others, there will always be a need for that, right? So you'll always be taken care of in that way. Um, so I, I'm I'm so very thankful to United We Hoop um, for this brilliant, I think this is like, you know, it's getting all this good energy, um, but I think for kids, the most important thing is just to um, stick to what you know and listen to yourself and be your own fan and your own advocate and find your way because your life is something meaningful and you're going to do amazing and great things and if you just stick with it and believe in yourself uh, it'll happen for you have a little passion a little craziness with it too um i and i believe in god so you mix god in there there's no way you won't be successful and amazing in your own way so yeah that's awesome jenny thanks so much uh thanks for being you uh thanks for everything that you're doing and uh i'm gonna be 
I'm going to be bugging you about whatever this venture is going to be, <laughs> whatever endeavor we're going to dive into. Absolutely, and, absolutely. Um, and well, of course, we'd love to have you back on, you know, at some point, maybe we could have you down in person one of these days when we're allowed to do stuff and it's safe yeah. and uh, love to have you down. And, uh, you know, just definitely, I look forward to keeping in touch and absolutely. Uh, we appreciate you and, and uh, thanks for being on today. Thanks for listening to United We Hope. You can find links to our guests and the Basketball Embassy in our show notes. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Basketball Embassy, and we're on Twitter at B-Ball Embassy. Our host is Coach Chris Dial. Our executive producer is Mary Ullman Jaffet. The podcast is recorded at Game Day Media Studios in San Antonio, Texas, USA. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.